Well, hello, everyone. Joe Morton here for this edition of A Cup of Joe podcast. I'm grateful to have a really good friend of mine, Dave Allred, and an incredible mentor to me and to so many countless people uh, in in the financial world, particularly focused on real estate. Um, but overall lifestyle design, I would say, would be a great way. And Dave, so grateful to have you here. Honored to be Seriously. here. Thanks, Joe. And and, and be, I want to make sure that people know a little bit who, who you are. And I, I'm just going to go through a few things now. We're, we're friends. We've done a lot of stuff together. It's going to include some of those things as well. But um, you're first and foremost a, a, a husband and father. You're father of four children. Beautiful family, by the way. I love it. And I love how important family is to you. And I know, and anyone who follows... Uh, you on on social media and all your ventures will know that family is key. And I love that, how you mix family with your work, with everything, lifestyle. I love that about you. You're a managing partner and CEO of Axia Partners. Uh, it's a very well-known uh, real estate investing company uh, uh, right here based in Utah, which is really cool. Yep. Out of Le- uh, headquarters in Lehigh, Utah. Yeah, Lehigh, Utah. Uh, your real estate experience includes portfolio, uh, your portfolio includes single and multifamily flips, hard money lending, Airbnb, self-storage, senior living, housing, land acquisitions and entitlement, uh, distressed debt, joint ventures, syndication and fund management. Incredible. That was a, that was a mouthful. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a lot. It's so wonderful. Uh, public speaker. I, in fact, I had an opportunity to hear you speak, which was so wonderful in Florida. I mean, that was such a great event and you did a great job speaking there. Executive business consultant. You have a, an incredible background, which I want you to dive into a little bit. And as I was going through your, I'm, I'm familiar with this because again, we've had an opportunity to spend time together. Um, but your family, your history of family, uh, coming from a destitute family and, and what you've been able to, uh, as you put it, reverse engineer, uh, and create completely different lifestyle for you and your family and changing generations to gum. So we'll dive on to the, into that in a little bit. Millionaire by tw- 26, is that right? And you, you became top salesperson for Vivint. Uh, incredible organizations also based here in Utah that you, you spanned how many, let's see here. You were in how many markets? 41 States. Is that right? I think it's 41 States, uh, helping manage 121 sales teams. Yeah. And you did it. And what's really cool about you, Dave, and I'll a little bragging for you. You did it not just with the, um, home security, but then you went and did it with solar and you know, you, you like this quote, Jerry Rice, do today what others won't, so tomorrow you can have what others can't. And I remember we're neighbors. You just up and moved your whole family for solar and built an incredibly successful business. You didn't need to do that, and you did that. And that's that kind of that was a great example to me, you know, doing what others necessarily won't do, especially as a family. You know, that's with your whole family moving to California. I remember that uh, you you set a goal when you were thirty to have ownership in a thousand rental doors, and you did that by the age forty, and then that led you into Axia, which we'll dive into here in a second. And then the fun stuff, Dave, you and I did like Doxa Relay, which is a which is a uh, relay race of triathlon. So to swim, bike and run. And we did that through the whole state of Utah. We did that several times. What a blast that was, eh? 
Also, Salt the Saint. Oh, Salt the Saint, yes. And mm-hmm. I mean, Mount Everest. I mean, you got to mention Mount Everest. Mount Everest. <laughs> that expedition that, that was we incredible. did to base camp. And then we did um, Island Peak. Yep. Yeah, when you say we've had some time spent together talking, I was at 20 days just <laughs> out hiking Mount Everest together. We had some incredible conversations. That was remarkable. What an what a journey that was, eh? With Cameron, that that was remarkable. Unforgettable. You know, at this point in my life, I'm really in the business of accumulating memorable experiences, epic experiences. And uh, those events you just listed right there, you know, they're all in my top, top 10. Mm-hmm. So uh, to me, that's what, you know, success is, is, is fun. It's important, but it ultimately it's about experiences. It's about memories, it's about relationships. And so to be able to accumulate those type of, you know, life, those kind of core man- memories is really special, man. So I want to give you props. Thanks for helping to, uh, create those opportunities. Right. So I, I'd always wanted to do an Iron Man, you know, and then Joe calls me up. It's like, Hey man, we're going to go do this with Iron Cowboy. And, uh, and by the way, Iron, my feet still hurt from that marathon <laughs> with the Cowboy. It was like two years ago, but uh, unprepared, hadn't trained at all. But, uh, anyway, I uh, love the experiences. I'm looking forward to the next ones. Yeah. That was so fun to, to do something so special about just being with a bunch of bunch of friends and going through the whole state. And we did that several times. We did that swim, bike, and run. And we did that with the docks. At, I mean, excuse me, the Salt of St. Just Bike, which was really fun. And we went through your hometown or your home area, right? Yeah, Mantaita. Yeah, Mantaita. Did you ever have any of those legs I through did. there? Yeah. yeah. Yep. I think. From the, Ephraim to Manti. Yeah. And, uh, but you know, the truth is, Joe, you're hard to keep up with, man. I think you got 10 years on me-ish. And, uh, yeah, you're always the pace setter. So it's impressive. I would say I want to grow up to be like Joe. <laughs> so oh, you're, you're kind. Cause I say that about you, especially with this subject of, of financial health, which is what I'd love to, to uh, you know, go in that direction with you because you're a person I look up to greatly and so many others. However, we do got to talk about health and wellness here for like, just in general, because this is a big part of your life. I mean, you and your family, I mean, you're into everything. Of course, just fitness in general, you're always working out is a big part of your life. Um, which of course led us into doing stuff like salt to saint and doxa and climbing mountains together in the whole bit. Uh, talk, talk about that. Cause you do sauna, you do cold water therapy. We have the same, we have the same cold water therapy system. King yep. cool. King cool. They're awesome. You like it? Love it. Yeah. So we got that about a year ago. Um, but my wife never jumped in it. She got into it twice for about 40 seconds at a time. And, um, but then we got the sauna installed about two months ago. And now it, it, and so every morning we go six o'clock, wake up, we're down in the sauna for 20 minutes and then it's a cold plunge and then 45 minutes of strength training. And then, you know, 10 minutes of meditation, 10 minutes of breath work, um, hang out with the kids for, you know, 15 minutes, 20 minutes of reading, and then 10 minutes of what I call power planning. So it's a two hour win the morning routine every single morning. Um, but now, you know, since we got the sauna, my wife literally every single morning, she makes me, it gives me like a cold plunge, like three, four times a week. It's plenty. Now it's every single morning. And it's almost kind of annoying now. She's like, I can't not cold plunge because she loves that combination so much between the sauna and the cold plunge. And also what's been really fun is getting my kids into it. So I've got four kids ages nine through uh, almost 18 and, uh, yeah, they're into it now. My, my youngest, she's nine. She did a seven minute cold plunge last Dang. week. Yeah. And then my two oldest, you know, they're all very competitive. And mm-hmm. so the two oldest did an 11. Where does minute. that come from? Right. I have no idea. <laughs> no idea. Um, but you know, I, I just feel like health is the one thing that you take for granted until you don't have it. And, um, 
you know, and they say that, you know, basically, you know, you realize all these other things in life, but then yeah, you, you lose your health and there's nothing else is really important. You know, even the money, the, 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 the success, the business, um, and health is just such an important part of our lives. And I, you know, I'm only 43 and my goal is to live to at least 120 years old. Uh, but more importantly is to have like, have real vitality, uh, at least till age 100. You know, I want to be snowboarding with my grandkids. I want to be actively participating in life, you know, at hundred years old. So, um, and, you know, you'll hear me talk a lot about the word reverse engineering. And so for me, a big part of my life's been figuring out what, what I really want, like what's really important to me, what's going to help me to live a life with no regret, you know, a life of fulfillment, passion, legacy, impact. And so, you know, a big part of what we're going to talk about here, for me, it's just been really getting clear, like crystal clear on the end game and then reverse engineering that. And, you know, that way you can choose the right habits, the right lifestyle that's in alignment with making sure that you can achieve what's really important to you. Um, but, you know, I see some people in business where they get so focused on, on the money or on scaling or on, you know, their time management, or maybe it's on, um, anyway, there's so many different things to look at, but to me, it's really about being good at all those different things. And so, you know, for me, I, I when I was 30 years old, I also wrote down, the 10 different areas in my life that I wanted to really excel at and, uh, you know, make sure I lived, you know, life with purpose. And and that's my health, number one, my family, my time, business, finance, spiritual experiences and relationships. Right. And so, um, what, you know, I actually wrote those all down into a spreadsheet. I call it lifestyle design. And that's been like my, my North star. And, and I tell people this, like, man, that's crazy. You wrote down all 10 areas, like in detail, you know, paragraphs and paragraphs of purpose statements, non-negotiables, core values, you know, all, all the good stuff. But I really feel like that's been one of my, I guess, superpower for me is just really getting caught. And it's not easy to do. It's taken hundreds of hours, not thousands of hours of thought going really deep and, you know, what really gets me fired up, you know, what, what, what's my life purpose and what, you know, it's a really fun exercise actually to uh, write your own obituary. You got the idea from Clayton Christensen. Mm -hmm. uh, his book is How Will You Measure Your Life? Phenomenal book. Mm -hmm. Highly recommend it. And uh, you write your own obituary and it makes you think about like really deep, you know, um, what you want your neighbors, your friends, your family, your kids to say about your legacy. And I think the more time we can spend being really intentional and getting clarity around that, uh, the rest of it gets pretty easy and, and, and it's more fun. So you, you had that kind of moment at 30. Yeah. Was there something there, some sort of catalyst that just said, Whoa, I yeah. gotta, I, I gotta begin with the end in mind, so to speak. Like, yeah, no, 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 no. Like, the truth is I was out knocking doors selling home security system, which is not a fun job, right? It's one of the hardest ways to, to make a dollar. And, um, I was a VP of sales. And when I fly into me with a team, I'd always sit down and do what I call a one-on-one -on -one performance interview. And we'd spend 20 minutes talking about how they're doing, you know, their, their goals or motivation, you know, what they're fighting for. And I realized really quickly that most guys, they can give a superficial quick answer. Like, you know, what's your cause, your holy cause, you know, what are you, what are you fighting for? You know, what's your goal? And it's, you know, I want to make this much money. I want to pay for college. I want to buy an engagement ring or a sports car or whatever. Right. But you dig a little bit deeper and those answers get really, really ambiguous and fuzzy really, really fast. And so, what inspired me to do this was actually like, hey, you know what? As a leader, I want to have that kind of clarity. And then I want to be able to help instill that purpose and clarity with my my key employees and my, my sales leaders. Because I knew that would help drive them as well. Um, and so that's really what kind of started it. 
And uh, so I sat down on a Sunday. It was like four hours. I remember it very clearly. And I just started, you know, dumping all these ideas onto uh, an Excel spreadsheet. And it's a living document, by the way. It's still, it still changes. You know, if I go to a, a mastermind or conference or a book or a podcast, and I'm like, that's really good. I want that in my life. Then, you know, once a month on Sunday, I'll sit down. I'll actually update that. Um, so it's evolving with me as I, as I grow in my life and my perspective changes. And you pass that on to your kids too. I mean, you do yeah. this as a family. Yeah. By the way, um, my website, DaveAllred.com, I, I shared this lifestyle design template with a few hundred people and I got really good feedback from it. You shared it at that conference that you spoke at. Yep. I remember you. Yep. So, so now it's on my website. Mm-hmm. So for any of your listeners that want a copy of that, DaveAllred.com, go to the resources page. You can actually download it for free. Uh, one of my goals in life is to create direct value for at least 10 million people and help at least a thousand people become financially free through passive income real estate. And so that's just one of my goals in life. And, uh, and this, this summer I created what I call a life, a youth lifestyle design. So it's basically just a, a, a kind of a dumbed down version of it. So all my children in the summer, we went, you know, we spent dozens of hours going through that process with them. And I got to tell you, Joe, you know, as a dad, it's, it's pretty badass to be able to have all your kids in writing like writing down what their ideal version of themselves is and what they want to do in their lives. And, uh, anyway, that's, yeah, it, it, that's also on my well, website. It clearly, clearly works. I mean, your daughter got, hmm, was it a Tesla? Yeah. That's a whole other story on, <laughs> on passive income and we'll have to, we'll have to jump into that one. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So does that, that lifestyle design, does that include what, what, what's included in that? You got health and wellness, of course, you got the financial side. What do you have your kids walk through for that? You know, I think the real key is, is habits, right? So it's, it's getting clear on what they really want in their lives. But then at the bottom of each section, it's, you know, what are the key habits? Because I've always said motivation is fleeting. It's just an emotion, right? So um, I'm not a big fan of like motivation. That's, it's temporary. And so what makes real change long-term is habits. It's what we do on a consistent basis. And so, you know, even when I set uh, new year's resolution, I'm not a big fan of them necessarily, but my kids, we do that every year. And, um, once we do all the hab- the goals for the next year, then the next follow-up question, okay, well, what are the key habits that you need to do this year to make sure that you can accomplish that resolution? Um, but man, I got, I love, the, the parenting is like my favorite thing. It really, it, well, it's the hardest. Out of all the businesses that I run, it's still the hardest thing, but it's also the most fulfilling thing. I absolutely love it. You have an amazing family and you're teaching them incredible principles along the way. I, I love to watch it and I love to see it. It's it's so fun. Well, fun story real quick. Uh, yeah. My my daughter nine, she's nine, Aria, uh, she does a lot of art. And so uh, last summer we go around the neighborhood and she wanted to go, you know, knock on doors and sell artwork for, you know, a dollar, two dollars, five bucks, whatever, right? She knocks on Joe's door. <laughs> Next thing you know, uh, Joe bought all the art, overpaid for it. And to this day, now now her expectation, she keeps like, hey, I want I want to go on a couple hundred bucks, a couple hundred dollars. I need to go do some more artwork. And so I think you maybe set kind of a false expectation on what her art is worth in the in the market. <laughs> but that was that was really cool of you. Wow. That that's that takes a lot of courage though. Because she was Yeah, I was proud of her. Seven or eight years old or so knocking on doors around the neighborhood. That's a, that's amazing. Yeah, that's one thing I've always been trying to teach my kids is I've lived my my life around the motto that if something scares you, it means you should do it. And whatever it has been in my life, if it scares me, I, I've kind of just leaned into it. Um, there's only a few things, maybe three things now that I can think of that, you know, still scare me. Uh, open water swimming is one of those. You've seen me swimming. Dude, I'm not a good swimmer. I'm not buoyant for some reason. I've got, I even hired swim coaches and they're like, Dave, you're a lost cause, man. I can't, we can't help you. Um, 
then the idea of my daughter's dating still scares me a little bit. And then uh, stand up comedy. So, uh, by the way, I committed in 2024, I'm going to do a stand up comedy really? show. Yeah. Uh, to me, that's do like, that what you fear. That's right. And that's a, the, the purest form of communication to be able to get up and, you know, really? anyway. So, I'll let you know when I get that schedule. Oh, for sure. I'll definitely be there cheering you on, laughing. I'm true. <laughs> Heckling. <laughs> so daily okay so daily you you go through this experience in the morning such an important way to start your day to kick start the day so your morning's clearly an important part of your day to make sure that you set the tone for the whole day absolutely yeah like two hours is a lot of time every single morning to me it's it, what i found is that's really just an investment it's sharpening the saw and then i'm so much more effective and productive throughout the rest of the working day um and even you know if you're a little bit off and you're having a bad day, you're not feeling it. I've found that if you just go work out and do, you know, lift some, some heavy, a lot of heavy stuff, it actually always, I always feel better from it. So it's actually really interesting how that works, right? People are lazy. They don't want to work out. It actually compounds versus just going and doing the hard thing to begin with. I love that you got breath work in there. You're saying you got reading or is it reading or meditation? Probably both, yeah, right? Both. both? Mm-hmm. What kind of books do you like to read? Personal, personal development, yeah. um, finance, real estate. Um, I can't remember the last time I read a fictional book, mm-hmm. honestly. Uh, one of my goals in my life has been to, in the last maybe 10 years, is anytime I'm in my vehicle driving anywhere, it's always an audiobook, mm-hmm. right? And it's just trying to learn always, you know, I feel like the, the most valuable real estate is the six inches of real estate between your ears, mm-hmm. right? And anything you can do to, to improve that will create the best ROI of anything else you can do. Mm-hmm. You know, my, the, the older that I get, the more I realize mindset's everything, man. Like mm-hmm. it really is. I look back when I was 20 years old and I was really proud when I was 20, but when I was 30, looking back at 20, I'm like, man, I was playing so small, you know, and I was 30 years old. I'm like, man, I'm killing the game. This is awesome. And I look back at it now. I'm like, dude, I was actually playing really small. I could have been doing so much more, mm-hmm. you know, but when I'm 90, I look back at 80, I'm like, man, I, I could have been doing so much more. So to me, that's really what life's about. It's about fulfillment. I get fulfillment from chasing the best version of Dave Allred. Mm-hmm. Um, and bringing it back to health and wellness, I, I just feel like you can't, you really can't hit your potential if you don't have good energy. And it's not even just in business, but even as a father, as a husband, you've got to be able to show up with energy. And um, so anyway, I'm a, I'm a big fan of it. I'm still learning a ton, you know, um, been jumping into stem cells a lot, you know, mm-hmm. peptides. Peptides are fascinating. My wife and I have been uh, on that wagon now for about two years, um, you know, invested, you know, six figures into just overall wellness and and education in the space. And, and then the children, like, so every Saturday morning, we'll do like a, a workout with the kids. And I think kids learn best from, um, from participation more so than reading or being told something. So, you know, I think a big motivator for my wife and I is to be a good example to our children on eating healthy, you know, healthy lifestyle, active living, working out, et cetera. Mm-hmm. With the morning routine, do you have anything that's a favorite? You got your fit, you got your exercise part, you got your sauna, you got your cold therapy, you got your reading. By the way, what are you reading right now? Uh, at the moment, I'm reading Buy Back Your Time, mm-hmm. Dan Martell. Awesome book. Highly recommend it. Very cool. How, by the way, speaking of the reading, how does that help you with your mindset? So you're reading at any given time, you're listening to audiobooks, and how does that help you with your mindset? Well, I would say mainly as a leader, right? So running different organizations and, um, you know, an investment firm. Uh, it's helping, I feel like that empowers me to then be able to turn around and and help inspire my, my, my key employees and my, my own leaders as well. So, you know, a long time ago in my leadership career, I I realized that in my opinion, everything goes up or down from leadership. It's literally the most valuable skills. I used to say it was salesmanship. 
I would put salesmanship as a, a close second to the most valuable skill set being leadership. I mean, as a father, as a husband, as a business person, just in life in general, it's such a valuable skill, right? The ability to influence other people. Well, mindset is so important. I mean, you've had to teach, uh, you know, over a hundred, what did you say? Over a hundred teams around the nation. That's a, that's an aggressive group of people to, to, to train. Mindset was a big part of that. And in your coaching right now and your training, uh, you teach that a lot too, right? Absolutely. You know, and I'm, I'm grateful to have, I mean, cause I grew up in, you know, a really tough situation, you know, ran away from home when I was 17 my little brother ran away when he was, you know, uh, a year later. And then my little, my, my sister ran away when she was 15, like just very dysfunctional. Um, and so there's a lot of like limiting beliefs that come with that. And so I think for me, a lot of that's just been, you know, I realize that I need to be able to get over a lot of that so I can become the best version of myself. And, uh, you know, Ed Milet, uh, speaks about it beautifully. And, and he talks about, uh, being the one, right. There's, mm-hmm. you know, in every few generations, there's, there's one person that has the opportunity to reset everything and resolve the trauma, reset the standard, you know, create more happiness, opportunity, success, financial freedom, et cetera. And, um, that's been kind of an inspiration for me is, you know, I, I really want to be that person that can go and create an amazing quiet life for my family, for my children, have the doors of opportunity open up for them but also for my posterity, you know, and for future generations. And so, um, and speaking of mindset, Ed Milet and I were having uh, dinner at a steakhouse in St. Louis, and it was two years ago. And we're talking about mindset. And he's like, hey, Dave, the only thing that's going to change who you are between today and who you are 12 months from now is three things. It's the books you read. It's the, um, it's what you listen to. And it's the people you surround yourself with. And when I heard that, I'm like, okay, that's, that's pretty straightforward, right? But the more I really thought through that, I think it's, it's spot on. Like it really is about our environment. It's what we choose to put into our mind. One of my all time favorite books is as a man thinketh, right? Mm-hmm. Our, our, our minds, a, it's a garden and whether it's good or bad, everything's a seed and it's either good or bad. And so we just need to be very intentional with that. And, but the beauty of it is we're actually in control of that. And I think so many people live life more as a spectator versus a participant or you can, you could call that a, you know, an abundance mindset versus a scarcity mindset where, you know, scarcity mindset is, is, Hey, you know, it is what it is. It's outside my control. You know, I'm in this situation because of my things that have, have happened to me versus being able to be having an abundance mindset, which is, Hey, you know, the reality is, is, you know, 10% of life is what happens to us. 90% is how we react to it. It's our response. It's how we choose to frame those experiences in our lives. Mm-hmm. I love the fact that you start each day with all this to help you guide through the day every day. Cause you have a lot of responsibilities from of course, starting as a husband and a parent, but then you're running this amazing organization and all that you have going that morning routine is key for you. It's a non-negotiable. Yeah. I love it. Do you have a favorite part of that morning routine? I would say, uh, probably the strange training part. Uh, it's fun for me. Mm-hmm. Like that. And what I've, what I've been on a kick more recently is, uh, is in the evenings, a great way to kind of unwind before you go to bed is, is a uh, mobility training. Mm. And so a friend of ours, Dr. Scott Nelson, I mm. uh, recommended it. And, uh, yeah, so you stream it, you know, 30, 45 minutes at night. And it's about flexibility and mobility, not yoga necessarily, but it's, it's, uh, about your joint health. And, you know, a lot of data shows now that, you know, if you want to live to hundred, there's certain things that you need to be doing at age 40, 50, 60, mm-hmm with your flexibility, mm-hmm. with your endurance, with your muscle mass, et cetera, that puts you on pace to have that longevity later on. Yeah. In fact, Dr. 
uh, Nielsen talked to me about that sitting standing action. Does he ever tell you about yeah. that? Where you, if you try to sit down without touching the, your hands to the ground and then stand back up without touching your hands, that's a big deal. And what you're talking about, I love Dave is it's not just longevity, but it's, and it's not just lifespan, but it's health span. And so you're doing everything you can. So reverse engineer, talk about that then, because this is what you want to do. If it's 120 years, you're trying to reverse engineer that and do everything you can now to make sure you reach it to there. And these are part of your daily habits, right? That's right. So a few things real quick would be um, really knowing your data. Um, and I know Dr. Johnson talked about this in her podcast about the order ring. So this is my order ring. My wife has mm-hmm. one. Even my, my daughter has one now as well. Oh, very cool. Bought one for my dad as well. And it uh, gives you all your, your data, all your metrics, right? Your sleep, recovery, HRV, you know, br- breathing, irregularities, all of it. It's really fascinating. And so um, what I'd say is, you know, sleep is like the most important thing. You got to get great sleep. Number two is, you know, kind of foundation. Number two is what you eat. Uh, and it's really, really important. And then it's the exercise. Um, and then it's just, uh, you know, managing your stress and whatnot. But then you get, you know, once you have that kind of that pyramid, that foundation, and then it gets really interesting. And that's where, you know, stem cells come into play. Um, peptides, which I don't know if you guys talk about peptides very much, but that is such an interesting space. And uh, we're still learning a lot, but, you know, we, my wife and I, you know, we have multiple peptides every day. And um, yeah, it's, it, it's, it's so interesting where science is going and how fast uh, we're learning more about this, right? I, I heard a statistic, I don't know if it's true or not, but the uh, you know the whole regenerative health industry, the knowledge in that space is doubling every year and a half right now. And so it's interesting to think about, you know, where that's going to be for our children. And, you know, I, it might be a stretch, but I would even say, I think that, you know, lifespan is going to become an, like an election, an option, if you have the resources for it, where you can live, I mean, it's going to get crazy. I mean, with science and medical improvements and anyway. And the things we're learning along the way with all the science, I'm sure you follow a lot of the same people, uh, Dr. Peter Atia and Huberman and so forth. Uh, we were learning a lot about simple things that we've maybe take for granted around us. A sauna, for example, you have a sauna. I have a sauna at my house, but they're in every gym. Do people take advantage of it? You know, I read a research paper last night on PubMed, 1,688 adults were studied and by using the sauna two to three times a week um, reduces their risks of cardiovascular disease by 27 percent that's a significant statistic now you jump it from four to seven times and it reduces it by up to 50 percent like that's well statistically amazing so like you said know your numbers and understand this and then we can that could be part of your reverse engineering you know that that incredible i love the sauna myself by the way i love it i love the mix between sauna and i watched the one video on your social media i thought that was pretty funny where you had your kids were inside the sauna and you were watching the other kids go into the cold plunge i thought that was kind of cute yeah once a month sorry once a week we try to do on the weekends we'll do a contrast therapy right so it's three sessions of the sauna three sessions of the cold plunge back and forth mm-hmm. but yeah it, you know, it's it's fascinating there's still there's so much in it. and every I mean, there's so much new data coming out. Huberman, like, it, you know, every week, it's just like a new concept, new data coming out on this stuff. So really fascinating, man. I'm excited to see where it goes in the future. And, um, but yeah, like I said, I, I think the key is your health and how you show up, your energy, it, it affects everything, you know, in business. If I have my confidence in business, a lot of times, you know, if I'm in good shape and I, and I, I've got great energy and I'm operating at a high vibration, 
it's contagious. People pick up on that, right? And I feel like it gives a lot of people more confidence when you have better health. So going onto a stage, for example, when you have to go and speak, that's very important too. You want to make sure your vibrations are right. You want to make sure you're on. Do you have a certain routine or is it just part of your daily routine before you go onto a stage, before you present to a group? Yeah. You know, that's a great question. I should probably get a better routine for it. Um, just, just, uh, maybe like some, some deep breath work before you go on, but mm-hmm. that's, uh, that's about it. You know, I used to get really, really nervous. I like really nervous, man. Um, three years ago, uh, you know, I was, it was one of the scariest things for me was public speaking. But again, if something scares me, I just kind of lean into it. So I made a commitment for the next year or two. I would just say yes to every single speaking opportunity. And, uh, now I've gotten to a point where I'm not saying I'm great at it, but I actually really enjoy it. Like I look forward to it and uh, it's a great way to build a great impact and touch a lot of people. And, um, yeah, I love it now. So you've mentioned this a couple of times that if you fear something, you lean into it. Mark Twain says, do the thing you fear the most and the death of fear is certain. That applies to everything. I mean, you're, you're applying this in your life and all that you're doing, I bet. Eh? Yeah. It's fun to look back, kind of look in retrospect in my life. And so, yeah, I mean, going, you know, running away from home and I was like, I had nowhere, I didn't know where I was going to go. I just knew I needed to make a change, you know, uh, going to Peru on a service mission for two years. That was scary, man. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't want to do that necessarily. Um, you know, coming back and, and getting recruited to go out and knock doors in Chicago, Illinois, coming from Manti, Utah to Chicago, Illinois, like that's a big difference, that's right? A big difference. And, uh, it was so hard. I mean, 80% of the team quit and, um, somehow I made it through and, uh, created this, you know, opportunity for this incredible leadership career that, you know, if I would have quit, that would have changed the entire trajectory of my life, like completely. Um, you know, asking my, my, uh, my now uh, wife, you know, to go on a date, that was scary, you know, going in, uh, in top golf, well, you know, even jumping into real estate, my first real estate venture was, <laughs> I made so many issues, so many problems, so many missteps on it. Right. I learned so many things from it. Uh, top golf, you know, bringing that into Utah County here with my partners, that was something that was, it was a big bite and I had no idea how I was going to chew on it, but you know, a lot of my life spends to take that big bite and then we'll figure out how to chew on it later on. And, and, and throughout that five-year process with Topgolf, yeah, I learned more about commercial real estate and development than having and gotten a master's degree in commercial development. And so, you know, launching Axley Partners, our real estate firm, you know, as a, I mean, it's a national investment firm with a, about $130 million uh, that we manage. And it's a big bite, right? But it's, for me, that's really been fun in life is, is to not be, you know, if it scares you, just just jump into it, man. And, it. you know, make sure you have the mindset there, have the mentors. I think there's proximity, there's power in proximity. So a big part of that has been having mentors in my life that I look up to, you know, guys like yourself, I can come talk to you about business venture, business plans and whatnot. You know, Todd Peterson, CEO of Vivint, like having guys like that, that I can actually, you know, speak, you know, look in the wire of their eyes and be like, Hey, if you can do this, okay, it can't be that hard. Right. That, mm-hmm. You know? And so I think a lot of that's been uh, just the people that do in my life. And I'm really grateful for those individuals that have really helped inspire me and show me, show me the way. Um, you know, if you have a good mentor or a role model, a lot of times it's just is a, uh, it's a, it's a shortcut, right? You can, you can go from point A to P, point B a lot faster with a lot less landmines or speed bumps on mm-hmm. the way. Yeah, for sure. Um, I love it. I believe that health and wellness is, there's so many so many areas that can affect us from a health and wellness perspective and financial can really affect a person's physical health. Their financial health could affect their physical health. I believe that. And I think that we see that throughout the nation. You didn't grow up. 
I mean, we're talking about this incredible success that you've had thus far. I only, I say thus far because you, you're going, you're going big places, continue to go big places. You didn't grow up that way. You didn't grow up with that background. You didn't grow up with uh, a family that taught that you that's come where you've, you've come from a different place. Let's put it that way. As you put it a place of destitute, talk about that a little bit and what drove you to go from that to the success in all the areas that you've had. Yeah. So we never really talked, you know, growing up about money, finances, business, et cetera. And I think it's probably just because maybe my parents weren't confident speaking on that, on that topic, but which is fine, which is great. No, you know, um, did the best they knew how to do on that. But what I, uh, what I realized early on in life is that one of my core motivators is freedom. I want to have a ton of freedom in my life to be doing what I want to be doing when I want to do it with the people I want to be doing it with. And, uh, and I'm, I'm grateful that I realized that early on in my, my business career, because I've really tried to create a lifestyle around freedom. And, you know, initially it was this pursuit of financial freedom, which I would define as having enough reoccurring passive income, mailbox money coming in that will cover your, your family's cost of living, right? Then you, then you don't have to trade your time for money. And so that was really the, the, the pursuit. Once I achieved that, then it turned to, I realized more importantly, it's about time freedom. It's, you know, time's our most valuable resource. And so if I can really control my time, then that's going to be real true freedom. Um, from that point, it actually then shifted even more so to lifestyle freedom. And lifestyle freedom is, you know, curating the lifestyle of your dreams and living it now versus someday down the road. And so again, financial freedom that evolved into time freedom, evolved into lifestyle freedom. And so just that pursuit of freedom has been really, really motivating for me. And, um, you know, I think that money, it's interesting. You know, people say money's bad, it's evil. I completely disagree with that. Uh, I think that money is a magnifier. It's an accelerator. And it really just, it magnifies whatever's really important to you, right? And if that's vices and, you know, bad stuff and drugs, then yeah, it's going to compound. It's going to be a problem. If, if it's giving back, if it's creating value, if it's experiences and traveling the world and, you know, being there with your kids and being able to, 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 to do those kind of things. then I think it's beautiful, man. So I, I, I think that if, but it's a big limiting belief I see with people is they think that money and having a lot of, you know, it's, it's bad. It's a bad thing. Disagree hundred percent wholeheartedly with that, that thought process. Um, but going back to your question. So it was this pursuit of freedom you know, and then having kids and a family, like, dude, talk about motivation, man. Like, mm. there's no better motivator than having now being, you know, a steward and being in charge of being the uh, the protector and the producer uh, uh, for a family unit. That really fired me up, man, because, you know, I wanted the best for my kids, like every every dad does. And, you know, they say the bigger the, the, bigger the why, the easier the how, right? So when you can really tie a purpose to it, I, I got to say, I think money just comes a lot easier when you have good intentions behind why you want to have, you know, more money. And, you know, it's not about having another, another zero in your bank account. Honestly, that's really not even that fulfilling or exciting. It's, 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 it's the, it's the side effects of what that creates for you. Right. So the more I can envision, okay, I want to have this financial freedom so that my, my three beautiful daughters can have an incredible wedding and incredible, you know, honeymoon. And I can kind of envision that for them. Like that's what fires me up, man. Or to be able, I've been to 60 something countries. I want to be at least 200 countries in my life. That fires me up. I love travel, right? To be able to have, anyway, you get the concept there. Mm-hmm. Like, the more it, it's though, and I think that the more we can really put our, 
envision that and make it real in our mind, it just comes more easily. Money seems to flow to where it knows it's going to be taken care of. It's going to be, you know, have good stewardship. And so, um, yeah, man, I think that's been a big part of it. And then, uh, you know, tying back that, that back to health, I just want to add well, two things. One is there's a lot of science coming out now that there's a direct correlation. The number one, um, factor to adults happiness in their lives is correlated to the amount of control they have in their life. So the higher, the more control you have in your life, uh, then the more happiness you generally have. And so it allows you to be in the driver's seat and actually live life how you want to live your life and, and to share your gifts and to create impact and focus on that versus if you don't have that financial freedom, then you're kind of stuck in this rat race and you're dealing with, you know, how are you going to make ends meet and how are you going to do this and pay your bills and whatnot? And so, um, you know, and also just to be really, I saw this, but yeah, being kind of a little more vulnerable with you, my parents fought over money all like, that's what I remember that I was fighting about. You know, they got divorced, they got separated three times, tried to make it work for the kids and all the fights I remember where I was about money. And so I think that's been a motivator for me as well. Like, you know, I want to, I don't want my family to have to stress about that. Mm-hmm. And so that's been a big motivator for me. Mm-hmm. Wow. So those experiences growing up that help kind of guide you into, I want to do things a little differently. I want to, I like that. It's cool. Yeah, and I'm still learning a ton. Um, but uh, I, I think that what's helped me a lot is to kind of almost gamify this where I look at investments as more, it's like a chess board and you've got these little you know chess pieces and it's about, you know, winning the game of investing. And I actually love I actually love investing. I don't know. I don't know why it's been so fun for me, man, but you know, I've got over 200 different investments. We've gone full cycle and, 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 and we're in restaurants and, you know, I mean, literally all over the, the whole spectrum, cryptocurrencies, hard money lending, private equity, you know, and, and it's been so fun just to learn about all this. And, um, but I think that's, it's about a mindset, you know, it goes back to mindset. It's just, uh, it's an abundance mindset and I want to create a lot of value for a lot of people. And, uh, I want to have a lot of freedom. What, what does financial health, when you hear the word financial health, what does that mean to you? Financial health. I'm going to start by saying, I think, first of all, it's just knowing your numbers. I'm always surprised when you kind of dive in, look under the hood, how many people have no idea what their burn rate is or their cost of living and you know, how much they're actually spending or how much they're earning or what their tax bracket is. So it's just, first off, I'd say it's knowing your numbers, like just getting some real clarity around where you are right now today. From there, I think it's, uh, secondly, I would say is getting clear on what you really want to achieve with your financial um, environment, you know, your financial goals. So many people just kind of live life based on emotion and they just invest in things because it's, they're excited about it or they have FOMO or whatnot. So I always say the higher the emotion, the lower the intelligence, mm-hmm. especially in investments. Like you really want to take the emotion complete out of it. So it's just based on, is this investment aligned with what I'm really trying to create in my life? And I have a bunch of systems and, and processes I'm happy to share. Uh, people reach out to me about that. But, you know, I have my 10 guiding principles that I always, I can look at any investment opportunity. Is that on your website as well? That one is as well. Yeah. Okay. Yep. And so it's, you know, a quick, you know, snip test of it. If it's a good deal I want to look at further or not. Um, having a predetermined allocation percentages, right? So for me, for example, you know, I have these different buckets and I'll put 1% of my, you know, net worth into cash, 1% into precious metals, 5% into cryptocurrency, 5% into bonds, 10% into stock equities, uh, 15% into private, uh, private equity, 25% into residential real estate, and 33% into commercial real estate. 
And it's not exact, but it's pretty close to that. And so for me, that's what I'd call an all weather portfolio where I'm not smart enough to know when Bitcoin is going to go to the moon or the stock market is going to crash 40%. But what I can control is what, which buckets I'm putting my capital into and everything is cyclical. And so, you know, one of those buckets might get hit, but they're probably going to be another, another bucket that's going to do pretty well. And so it's just, it's a sleep good at night. I can know, Hey, I'm not going to be actively managing this. And anyway, it's just an example of financial literacy, right? So, but there's intention behind it. And so my biggest challenge is like, don't just do an investment because it sounds good or it's exciting. There's gotta be a lot more to that. Um, but you know, financial literacy, it's, there's so much to that, man. Um, one thing that I created was a financial scorecard. So I have 27 different, um, financial literacy, I guess, you know, part parts of it. So you know, it's FICO score. It's, you know, how much passive income do you have? How much active income, uh, your, your debt ratio, um, or leverage, you know, what is your, um, emergency fund, you know, your diversification, uh, we're going to look at, you know, how much, how much do we give back? You know, what's our, how, how much of a tax deductible lifestyle have I created? Which by the way, happy to talk about that one too. Taxes are the largest transfer of wealth in our lives. It's not what we make. It's what we keep. And, uh, that's been one thing that I've really just kind of gone deep on is how to, uh, you know, mitigate tax liability. But yeah, Joe, that's a big question. Like what is financial literacy? There's, there's so much to that, man. Um, I'll, I'll wrap up my answer by saying, if somebody's listening to this, I'm like, hey, you know what? I don't really know about how federal tax brackets work or compound interest or, you know, checking accounts and some of this we're talking about. I would say, first off, especially if they're young, it's not their fault because it's it's a travesty, but, you know, the public school system doesn't it's teach. Not it's, it's, doesn't, it's not taught. Nothing about taxes, nothing about compound, the magic of compound interest or that, you know, the five wealth drivers of real estate, you know, so it's not your fault that you don't know that, but looking forward, it is your responsibility to figure it out, right? Mm-hmm. We all have, we got to take ownership over that. And so I, I would just challenge people that really have curiosity. Um, you know, when I, when I, got start, I got started on real estate because I went to my CPA and I'm like, Hey, you know, I made some pretty good money doing over sales. Um, what are all of your wealthy clients doing? And he's like, they're buying real estate or businesses. And, uh, so like, oh, real estate sounds, sounds cool. <laughs> I don't know anything about it, but I'm going to, I'm going to become a student of the game of real estate. And just that, that commitment, then, you know, it just, it's naturally start to absorb more information. Um, what's the word, uh, reticular activation system, mm-hmm. right? When something's important to you, your brain will actually start to. Now you notice it everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. And otherwise you just filter it out because it's, it's, it's irrelevant data. Mm-hmm. So anyway, we could go along on that one, but there's, there's my. So when a person's listening and they're wanting to understand their own financial literacy and where they stand, I I like where you started. Just know your numbers, know your inflow, your outflow. Does it match? And then find ways. What what would be one advice that you could give to a person if they wanted to make a difference? Um, Of course, there's lots of different areas, but is there one thing that you can say, hey, you know, you could start working on this. Yeah, I would say the first thing is, is the, the, the biggest problem that I see, especially with my background, you know, with your sales and, and in the real estate spaces, as people's income goes up, their cost of living goes up proportionally. And so they don't actually get ahead at all, right? So somebody's making 50 grand, they make a hundred grand, they end up getting the new truck, get the boat, get the wave runners, you know, the new rims. Rich dad, poor dad discussion. That's right. It's in that book. Man, and, and it actually can even put them in a worse position because now, you know, they're making $200,000 a year and their cost of living is at $200,000 a year. What happens if that um, income goes away for whatever reasons, right? 
now all of a sudden they're stuck up here and they're actually at a deficit. So I think my best advice would be is to, especially when you're younger, is to, you know, have the discipline to well, well, track your numbers and then have the discipline to not let that lifestyle expense creep up because it happens almost always. And instead, make sure you invest that and so it can be compounding for you. Um, and then the, the, the third thing I would just say is, is get into real estate. I love real estate. I'm mm-hmm. passionate about it. I think real estate is the best way to create true wealth and lifestyle freedom and financial freedom and time freedom. And, you know, 90% of Americans, 90% of millionaires in America were made through real estate. And so I love, especially young guys, like getting into real estate earlier on. Oh man, I love it. I got some of those things. I don't know why I get so passionate about it, but I love, I'm really grateful personally for having learned about real estate earlier on in life. Mm-hmm. You know, and like I said, I'm in stock market. And by the way, Joe, I got to give you props real quick here. So when we were training for Mount Everest back in 2018, at that time, you hadn't, didn't know really anything about crypto and you had zero rental property passive mm-hmm. income. And I just started, you know, we go on these one hour runs in the morning and I would just kind of share some of the things, my thought process and why I love passive income and crypto. And next thing you know, fast forward today, this guy's got a whole portfolio of multifamily, <laughs> single family homes, hard money. Land. I have to thank you for that. Seriously. Those well, discussions, it's amazing what can happen on a trail or hiking a mountain or something, you know, and I thank you for that. But I want to recognize you because I share that with a lot of people, but very few people actually execute on it. There's a lot of people that talk about it and they, you know, talking's easy, but you actually took that to heart, executed on it, learned, learned the trade. And now you're doing fantastic with this. So well, thank you. you. Thank you. I took your advice. I studied a lot, read a lot of books. I asked you, I've asked you several times, Hey, what's the best book on real estate? You tell me, I read it. It's, you, in fact, I flew all the way to Florida just to see you at a conference and, and the rest of it. I mean, Ed Milet was actually at that event. That was yeah. a really good one. Um, so thank you. Thank you, Dave. And okay, so here's a question on real estate. They see they see your portfolio. They hear about it. Oh my gosh, multifamily, and they've got and he's got uh, buildings and all that you have. But you don't have to start with that. I mean, how did you you started probably with one maybe or or a duplex or what did you start with? Yeah. So, oh man, there's so much to unpack on that. I'll try to keep it really short. So, what worked for me really well was, you know, I started out buying four townhomes to begin with. And I was always taught that debt is bad, that, um, you know, debt takes away from your free agency. That's what I was taught growing up. And, uh, which by the way, a quick tangent on that. That's how I started out. Okay. All cash, no leverage. Fast forward 20 something years. But again, going back to your discussion, we're not taught this. (laughs) You know what I mean? We're not taught this. We're taught dead, bad, you know, so sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Fast forward to today. And I believe that one of the, the magic of real estate is leverage. It's the ability to take, you know, one of your dollars, borrow $3 from a bank or lender, and then go have hundred percent ownership on, on the asset. Still get all the cash flow, the appreciation, the tax benefits from it, the principal pay down every single month, et cetera. And so fast forward to today, I mean, I, I have somewhere in the ballpark of about a hundred million dollars of, of debt. Um, but uh, you know, people ask all the time, well, well, what's good? Like, what is good debt? You know, and what I'd say is good debt to me, I would define that. Dave Alder would define good debt as low in- low interest, fixed rate debt that creates positive cash flow. And I want to own as much real estate I can possibly own with low interest, fixed rate debt that creates positive cash flow. 
And we could go into an explanation on that. I'd love to, if we had more, maybe, maybe round two sometime mm-hmm. to. as to why that is such a great way to compound real wealth. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but, but, you know, with that being said, you have to be very responsible with that. And, you know, consumer debts, you know, I have no credit card debt, carp debt, you know, home mortgage. It's only debt that's creating positive cash flow. Yeah. It's and, not income producing. So that's right. A little uh, rich dad, poor dad, right? Mm-hmm. So, and so going back to that, so four, four properties, um, bought those a couple years later. And by the way, this story, the market has been incredibly hot, you know, in this 14 year period. Um, so looking forward, it's, you know, it's definitely cooled down a little bit. So it's, you know, it's a little harder to replicate this, but bought those four units a couple years later, they, they doubled in value. And so I did a 1031 exchange, which is where you sell property, uh, for like kind property and there's no taxes due. You defer the taxes on it. So they able to roll it into the next one. That's right. Yep. So I take those four townhomes rolled them into four fourplexes. So from four doors to 16 doors with no additional cash out of pocket. Uh, two to three years later, those fourplexes had appreciated, you know, about a quarter million, quarter million, a quarter million dollars each. So I 1031 exchanged those, each one of those into two more fourplexes. So went up to having eight fourplexes now. And by the way, this whole, this whole story, there's no additional cash coming in. It was just, just that equity. original, that the original cash that you put in the it. original principal plus the equity appreciation mm-hmm. the, in the market naturally. And so when you, and, go- and I want to stop for just a second, this is a really important point when you're talking about 1031 exchange, because people need to understand that that is one of the magics of it. You mentioned earlier about tax that is within our tax code to then just defer it and defer it by just roll it into the next investments. Yep. I'd say there's two big things there. One is the 1031 exchanges. Secondly is what's called uh, accelerated depreciation, which we get through performing cost segregation studies. And we're getting a little more nuanced here, but um, you know, that's been, I, I won't say how much or how little I've paid in taxes, you know, in the last 10 years, but it's incredible. I'll say it this way, the lobbyists, the senators, the, you know, people making the laws in DC, those guys own a lot of real estate <laughs> because it, it's incredibly beneficial. Basically the government wants to incentivize, you know, housing for, you know, for our citizens. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of, there's so many incentives there that are worked into the tax code. And it's incredible, man, because for me, what that's done is, is if I don't have to pay, you know, half a million dollars, or whatever in taxes in a year, I can go and deploy that and buy more real estate and then get more depreciation benefit from that new real estate. So I take that in that next year, avoid paying taxes, right? The next year, take that money to buy more real estate, depreciation benefit. And so it just compounds over, over the years. And yes, you have to recapture some of that depreciation down the road when you sell those properties, unless you do a 1031 exchange, but it's a time value of money throughout that whole process. Mm-hmm. So anyway, sorry, we went a little bit of a tangent. tangent no, there. no, this is perfect. Cause it's, you start with the small and you build. Cause I think some people think, Oh, I've got to be big right now. It's, yeah. it's over overestimating what is that saying? Overestimating one year. Yeah. We overestimate what we can do in one year, but underestimate what we can do in five years. Yeah. Or even 10 years in real estate, what you could do in 10 years with one initial investment. How long did it take you to do, go from that one in, initial investment and then use that original capital yeah. to just, how long did so, it take you to get to where yeah, you are right So now? I kept doing that same thing until I got to 64 doors. So I went from four doors to 64 doors. I want to say it was about a eight to 10 year process. And, uh, and that was with no extra cash out of pocket. It's pretty incredible. Mm-hmm. Right. So I paid a hundred thousand dollars each for those first four properties. So $400,000 principal into it. And I was able to parlay that into, wow. you know, 64 units. And that of course, taking it into Axia partners. And here you are today, you know, and just continue to do that same concept, but on a larger scale. Yep. You got it. Yeah. 
But it was really fun. What was really fun from there was, okay, so I kind of figured this out, started doing some, you know, smaller multifamily, but then it was to start doing what's called syndications. It's just where you, you bring in friends to- I got one. That was a great yeah, one. Yeah, there you go. From Texas, right? Yeah, that was a great one. And so, you know, and I've loved that because it's adding real value for people that I care about in my life. And, you know, if you can do a syndication and you know how to do that the, the, the right way, you're basically allowing people to come in, you break down the barrier of entry. And cause most of these guys want to be in, you know, big commercial properties with good tax benefits and good, good passive income, but they lack the confidence or the competence to be able to do it on their own. So if you can help create that opportunity for them, it's been awesome. And we have about 400 and something investors now. And, wow. you know, I can say I've, I've never lost a single dollar of, of investor capital in any real estate deal I've ever been involved with. And, and that's what I love about real estate, Joe, is, you know, you can still get these great gains and passive income, but you own real hard assets. So it mitigates the downside risk. Whereas on you know, stock market, if you lose 40%, you don't, I guess there's, I mean, it's equity in these companies, but it's just, it's a different feel when you actually own completely the, the hard asset creates real value. And it's just simple. I mean, mm-hmm. it's relatively simple. You know, for me going into private equity and venture capital, even stock market, I'm just not smart enough. <laughs> yeah. Every time I think I've got like a, a leg up on the stock market, I get humbled. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know, man, I'm just from Manti, Utah. So I'm just gonna stick with real estate. Keep well, congrats on your Bitcoin, that your cryptocurrency is looking good at this moment in recording. <laughs> um, you've always made good investments and I, I admire that. I've always looked up to you for that. I want to, I want to point out something. You mentioned this and it's more, and it's a saying, Hey, I sleep well at night, but there's something, there's a lot of truth to that, that if we have a good financial literacy and a good financial plan that does affect our health and wellness because we can sleep better at night. And as you learn from, as we learn from Dr. Johnson's podcast, sleep is so very key. So you're just using that one, but it just affects in so many other ways, the stress levels that we experience on a daily basis. As you mentioned uh, with, with watching that in your family, the dynamics of fighting over money, that's a pretty big thing. I would think in a lot of families, a lot of people can relate to that. So it takes that, it can help us with our health and wellness. So that's why I wanted to get into this discussion about financial health and financial literacy with you. Cause I, I look up to you and I, I see you as a great leader in that area, a thought leader. So thank you. Thanks Joe. What's been really fun as a dad is actually, you know, do my best to teach my children that as well. Um, and bring them in the business. All my children are employees of my own real estate company. And, um, my son came to work yesterday at Axia and spent the whole day just kind of tagging along, watching awesome. investor meetings, board meetings, et cetera. Um, but yeah, it's so fun teaching these kids. Like if any of my kids walked in right now and I just say, Hey, what's the best type of income? They'd all be like, passive income. <laughs> we got this ingrained, right? And they're all pretty competitive. And, um, you know, all four of them own some real estate. Um, actually you mentioned, uh, my daughter, yeah. the Tesla, you want to hear that mm-hmm. story? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so my daughter, she's, Got two jobs when she was 14, 15, very industrious, hard worker, really proud of her. We always invested in cryptocurrency, stock, a couple of stocks and whatnot. Uh, come, come around 15 and a half years old. She's like, Hey, I'm almost 16. I need a new car. I want to test the model three. I'm like, hell no, <laughs> we're not doing that. That's irresponsible. That's a, that's a hard no. You know, um, but one of the downsides of, you know, teaching your children, you know, salesmanship, it's a two edged sword. So no means yes. So she's relentless, tenacious. With I love this, right? that. I love over and that. over, just nonstop asking in different ways. And finally, I realized, you know, that the higher quality response is, you know what? I want you to have everything you want in your life. But if it's a depreciating asset, like a vehicle is, then you need to figure out how you're going to create enough passive income 
to be able to pay for that depreciating asset. So let's sit down. So we sit down, grab your spreadsheet, you know, say it's, you know, $350 per month on a, on a car payment. It's like, okay, we could sell your Bitcoin. We could sell your Ethereum. We could sell your stock and, you know, joint venture with me, partner with me on a duplex down in Vineyard. And so we did that, moved that money over into a duplex that then creates, you know, $300 a month of passive income. And then I'm like, okay, I also pay, you know, $10 an hour or whatever to help your mom. So she's not Ubering the kids around all, you know, sports and recitals and whatnot. So now uh, my daughter has the car that she really wants. Um, it helps mom because, you know, she's got an Uber driver now. And, but her, her, her investment in the real estate's appreciating. So the nest egg is actually going, is growing and she gets the vehicle that she really wants. Right. So to me, that's a win, win, win situation. And really what I want to teach my kids, you know, you can have anything you want in life, but that's, if you want a Rolex or a new Breitling or, you know, some like a luxury item, the right way, the way I've always done that is, okay, cool. Well, how can I create enough passive income to be able to pay for that? I love that. That is such a great, I hope everyone heard that closely. If we want something, and it goes back to your discussion about um, the rat race, so to speak, about you never quite get ahead because I get a raise and then I just increase my, my expenses. I get another raise. I get, you know, I buy a bigger boat or a bigger car. Instead, you want that bigger car? What you're saying is go out, create a passive income that will pay for that car. Absolutely. Nailed it. And the other thing I really want to teach kids is, hey, you know, giving is living and to be charitable and to give back. And you guys have a great, you have a charitable arm to your family, don't you? Yeah, we created the All Red Family Foundation. And so each of my children are on the board of directors and uh, they put in a percentage of all of the income that they make into the foundation. And each, each child was able to choose whichever charitable cause they wanted to support. So they get to have that autonomy and kind of ownership on who they're supporting it's been awesome. It's just, it, it's so fun to see your kids like yeah. grasp that. Right. Because I think children naturally, you know, it's like candy and Halloween. Like they want to keep all of it. Like they mm-hmm. want, they want, they, they, they're, they're kind of hoarders, mm-hmm. I think naturally. Right. So to be able to help teach them about giving back and, and how that's how you really like re- true happiness and, and yeah. fulfillment can come from not just what you have. It's more about what you, what you give. Yeah. I love it. Well, Dave, this has been an incredible conversation. We're going to have to do another one and dive into more details in some of these. I'd love to. These are subjects that are just. Let's do it. And again, thank you because I, I really look up to you and uh, appreciate the friendship first and foremost, and uh, but also the advice you've given and the great counsel you've given over the years. It's made a big impact in my life, and I have no doubt that it'll on the on the listeners today. I, okay, so we're coming to the close here. Let's dive into we're climbing. We're, we're climbing Island peak. Okay. Remember? And we got to cross, we had to cross a crevasse with a 22,000 feet elevation. We got, got 22,000 feet. That's crazy. So, so, so base camp, base camp about 17. Yeah. 17. And then we came down that Canyon and then went up and we had Alma de Blom there on the right hand side and which was really cool. That'd be a fun one to do yeah. something. Uh, and then we went over to do, Highland Peak, and we, what an experience. What was going through your mind when we were going up that ice wall? I'm just curious. Well, you crossed, we crossed the crevasse with the, with the, with, I, I'll never forget that moment. <laughs> you were like. Five ladders rope, like rope together across this massive crevice, about 60, 70 feet deep. It just went, it just seemed to go down forever. Yeah. Again, I'm kind of a competitive guy. And so, you know, I tried to kind of race across that. And the last uh, part of it got really squirrely. 
And uh, our, I remember our guide, it was, he was pretty like, pissed slow, about it. Slow down, slow down. But you just went, I just loved that. I'll never forget that. I said, Chef, you just went pew, right across that thing. It was incredible. Uh, yeah, yeah. I don't I, Honestly, I don't know what I was thinking. I think it was the elevation. <laughs> it wasn't smart. Um, you had so much energy, though. I got to give you props, man. Seriously, you you inspired me. You and Cameron were up that rock ice wall. Like, it was... Yeah, so the very so it was an eleven hour ascent that day, and the last three hundred feet is just a sheer, a, a straight vertical ice wall, right? And so, you know, uh, we're just, we're roped in there, and it's you know ice pick, and uh, it's literally one step at a time. Take a big the breath ascenders. just to try to get the oxygen level mm-hmm. up, right? Yeah, finally made it up there, man. Sitting on top of it, you know, I think that was what the fifth highest uh, peak up there in the Himalayas, and. Incredible. It's just such a cool experience, man. Then you get up there and we're just hanging out, three of us up there enjoying the view. And, and, uh, I'll never forget it, man. It was, yeah. it was special. Yeah. And, when, that, when, and we, Island Peak was literally, it's like a peak. Remember, we were all kind of sitting around. The picture we have is just all huddled, huddled together. That was kind of fun. Yeah. One of the lessons learned there, I'll share real quick and wrap it up is, is, uh, is I underestimated how much energy it was going to take to get off the mountain, right? So mm-hmm. the 11 hour ascent is like all this adrenaline. You know, you flew across the the, the world where you know, day 20 or whatever it was. And uh, so excited to get up there and we did it. And then it's like coming down, ground of water, dehydrated, no food, feet were killing. And uh, it was a seven hour descent. And I just remember trying to make a mental note, like a life lesson. It's not just about the ascent. You got to make sure you remember it's the whole journey. Mm-hmm. So absolutely. And part of that descent, remember we had to wait cause it was like a Congo line to go down that, that ice wall. We had to wait one after another and it, and you have to wait till they're completely yeah. finished. That was why I remember that. And then one more thing is, um, the helicopter that picked us up, take us back down to Kathmandu. Never forget this, man. So we get, we loaded up uh, duffel bags, a bunch of people in there and they try to take off. This is at elevation. Right, yeah. They try to take off. It goes like six inches off the ground. They can't go more than that. They drop back down. One duffel bag goes out the window. That's it. I remember that. <laughs> then they try to get back up, get about two to four feet off the ground, start to turn a little bit, couldn't get up, come back down. One more duffel bag <laughs> out the window, right? Never would have, in America, this would never have flown, mm-hmm. right? Flown. <laughs> and, and anyway, so then finally it comes up and then, uh, you know, it just kind of drops off the cliff and you guys kind of can't man do. But anyway, incredible experience, man. Such great people. The Sherpas up there, some of the most amazing human incredible. beings. Talk well, about, talk about wellness. You should get a Sherpa on here. Talk oh about gosh. how they do what they do. It's incredible. Like I remember being on that ice wall and my Sherpa's right next to me. He's like, are you okay, Mr. Joe? I'm like, yeah, I'm okay. He didn't even seem to be breathing. You know, he was just kind of hanging there. Hey, hey. Well, if you remember, we had, so we had six people in our group, two of them didn't make it on the, oh, on the last right. day. Mm-hmm. And they actually, you know, halfway up the mountain took the guy from Dallas all the way down to That's base right. camp and made it back up by the time that we were hitting summit. That's wild. Crazy. So such good shape, mad, mad respect for those guys. Yeah. Well, Dave, this has been amazing to have you here. Thank you very much. I really appreciate the time you've given. Um, once again, appreciate your mentorship in my life and my friendship and also to all those the countless people that you have a chance to interact with and work with and, and congratulations on your, your success. And I look forward to another one of these. Let's do it. Yeah. Much love. Thanks and an, and another, and another one of our adventures in the, in the future. Akinagua. Yeah. I want to do that one. You bet. So thank you. Uh, Thanks for joining on this edition of A Cup of Joe with Dave Allred. Appreciate your time here. Share this with someone who you feel you could use this content. And thank you for being here. Make it a great day.